0: For Morgan, it was a cut back for Gonzalo Higuaín. It's well read at the back and Waterman plays Maxi Ruti, who comes back deep to help his partners. Corrales
1: loses the ball. Higuaín in the box. Higuaín! Very good stop by pantemis to his right. Play still alive with Jorge Corrales. Welcome back, Saturday Sports on TSN 690, Joey Alfieri, John Still, we're with you till noon uh, talking uh, all things NFL, we talk a little Habs as well, but right now uh, we talk impact, it's a pleasure to welcome to the show Impact Keeper, James Pantemis. James, what's going on man, how you doing? James, you there? I'm here. Hey, how's it going man, how you doing?
0: Very good, very good, how are you?
1: I'm good, I'm good. So how has life changed since uh, getting those three starts uh, back to back to back for uh, for the impact. Are people hitting you up a little bit more?
0: Ah, uh, a little bit, you know, but not much. Still, still same old. I'm here at the hotel after the game doing my homework. So nothing new. Homework?
1: What what homework, what, what homework are we talking about? School. Really? So you're so you're not just like you don't just have to manage uh, training and uh, you know dealing with the club's expectations. You're also doing homework.
0: Yeah, I'm just. Trying to finish off my university degree.
1: So, what are you studying?
0: Uh, international business.
1: Oh, nice. Is that John Molson?
0: No, I I, uh, I transferred over to uh, Southern New Hampshire. It's a online school that the MLS offers. Oh, to, cool. the, to all the players. So it's all on computer. Very practical. For so, us.
1: so, so James, explain something to me then. How how when do you have time for homework exactly?
0: Oh, uh, I find my I find my hours whether it's after breakfast or after training. Sometimes on the bus because our bus drive is about fifty minutes to the train facility, so fifty minutes there, fifty minutes back. Right, it's a good amount of time to do a little bit of stuff.
1: Do they? Uh, do the guys? Uh, do the guys give you a hard time? To- I know Showman was Showman, and like he finished up engineering at Concordia. He told us yeah, some he crazy stories. Back here. Yeah. So do the guys get on you a little bit when you're doing homework on the bus?
0: Well, actually, believe it or not, Sham does. He says, oh, "I was." He says, "I was never that nerdy to to do schoolwork on the bus. I used to do it on my own time." But you're on a different level. He told me. I said, "Listen, Sham, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it." <laughs> yeah.
1: I like that. Uh, he's James Pentevis, impact keeper, joining us on Saturday Sports on TSN 690. So, what's what's life been in in Jersey, man? Like away from family, away from the city. Like, what's what's it been like?
0: Uh, it's uh, it's interesting, right? We've been in a very unorthodox year we're just trying to adapt but it is what it is right this is what our new normal is for now and we were trying to you know make sure that we're not using this as an excuse for for our player when we get onto the field it's obviously difficult being away from your family being in a bubble um but again we're we're in we're in a hotel we have a roof over our head we're eating well and we have a great training facility as well so we're just going by that and, and looking to finish off the season strong.
1: So you picked up, you know, your first start in MLS was against New England That in the middle of the month. You got your first win against Miami three days later. I'm sure your family was thrilled for you, but how frustrated were they that they couldn't be there?
0: Yeah, of course. Uh, we, we were lucky enough to share that moment last year when I made my debut in the Canadian Championship. Unfortunately, you know, it would have been great to have them there. Uh, for my first MLS game and my first MLS win, but again, it is what it is. This year, they were they uh, they supported me throughout uh, throughout the week and weeks via Facetime or text messages. So it was it was good that I was able to share those moments too. Um, but you know, it is what it is, right? Like I said before, we're we're living in a in a surreal time right now, but we're just gonna try to make the best out of it.
1: So you got your, I mean, your first win. You're going to be able to tell uh, you know, the even the great great grandkids that you, you know, you beat Gonzalo Higuain. Uh, did you say anything to him? Did he say anything to you at all? Because I know you no, stopped him a couple was, times.
0: Yeah, he was a bit frustrated at the end of the game, <laughs> yeah, like, <a> bit. especially <laughs> since he, he got sent off. Um, but no, I didn't. Uh, obviously, you know, going into that game, knowing what kind of players were on that field was was crazy to think about because I remember. I mean watching them on TV or playing FIFA with these kind of players right but uh once you step on that field it doesn't really matter who's on it uh, you you just got to go out there and perform and, and my team did did well to make me to put me in the best situation possible to mm-hmm. to to see the shots and make the saves i needed to make
1: I saw where, you know, you're pretty confident right away. You know, sometimes you expect a young keeper to come out and, you know, maybe be a little timid when it comes to barking out orders or, you know, sorting out your back line and stuff like that. But I didn't feel that that was a thing at all. Have you always been vocal like that? And why do you think you're so comfortable doing that at such a young age?
0: Oh, I think that uh, I've worked with, with um, quite a few coaches over the years that have that I've really tried to put that into my game. Um I feel, you know, being a goalkeeper is not only about saving the ball at this level. Everybody's capable of making the save, right? And it's all about the the little details now of um, making sure you're directing your team properly, making sure they're always ready, uh, your distribution or coming out and collecting crosses. So, again, like over the years, I've, I've always been told to make sure we we uh, move a guy if he's not in the right spot or let him know if he's not doing the right thing. And even uh, with, with Remy over the past couple of years, um I know that he was, he's was. he been very adamant on the fact that whether it's uh, a young boy who's 17 on the team or talking to Rod, for example, who's one of the older guys on the team, uh, it doesn't matter. It's my job to be in there, and I, if I see something that I don't like, I need to voice it, and that's how I gain the respect from my teammates. Mm.
1: The, that your Remy you're talking about is Remy Vercut, the, yeah, uh, Vercut, the keeper yeah. coach. He seems like he can be pretty intense at times. Has he chewed you out at all like o- over the years?
0: Oh no, I feel like uh you you need that kind of tough love, right? I uh, I've been I've been very fortunate to to work with some great goalkeeper coaches over the years, uh Remy included, you know, he's he's played at a very high level and he knows a lot about the game. He's experienced a great amount of uh uh moments and games and I I'm honestly open to to everything that he has to say and uh, I'm very 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 thankful for, you know, m- m- him putting me in the right situation and the best situation possible to to play the games uh, that I just that uh, just passed.
1: He's James Pantemas, impact keeper, joining us on Saturday Sports on TSN six ninety with Joey Alfieri and John Still. John Still, we're with you till noon. Uh, how much does uh, Terry Henry talk to his keepers during a practice or leading up to games? How like how often will you guys converse, especially when you were the starter there?
0: Well, I think that uh, you know there was obviously a message that was that was sent. Um, him knowing that was my first game and just. It was just a, to to give me a sense of calmness, you know, not to, not to overthink things, not to do too much. I think one of the like biggest things that I took out of it was making sure that um, I didn't overdo or try to complicate my life. Just because I'm coming onto the field and want to prove myself doesn't mean I need to go and show my qualities and overdo certain situations. For example, I don't need to be running out just to collect the ball to make a statement that I'm in the net. Mm-hmm. Just, for if the situation comes, I need to perform. Then I, I make the save, or I may I come collect the ball. But it's not to overdo it. Just you know, play your game, uh, play simple, and um, and the rest will come. I,
1: I thought you were really impressive, ball to foot, uh, James. I, I thought you were, you looked really comfortable there. But I got to tell you, uh, there were a few nervous moments uh, at Yankee Stadium, just because I mean the field is so freaking tiny. That there was some close calls there what's that like when you've got guys closing in on you and there's guys on top of you? I mean that's a tiny field and just watching it and calling the game on TV, like I didn't even get used to it through the 90 minutes just how small it was. How challenging was that?
0: Yeah, it was difficult, you know I was uh, to be honest, it was my first time ever being on the on the on the field itself yeah uh, over the years. So I know I've been there in the past for a baseball game, but never for for an actual MLS game. Uh, it was. It took a little bit of time to get to get used to. It. I saw it especially in the warm up, knowing that okay, the, the field's much more smaller than I'm used to, I need to be able to adjust. Um, but again, I think that one of the thing that's been taught, or not taught, but just told to us keepers here and the, on the team, is to make sure that we stay calm on the ball. Mm-hmm. Like it, it is difficult sometimes when you have two, three guys running straight at you to try and intercept it, but that's when you kind of need to be a little bit of uh, you need to be cold-blooded in the sense where you need to accept the pressure. And it's something that we've been working on a lot since the beginning of the year. And um, that's what we're looking to do, right? So whether it's one guy coming, two guys coming, we have to accept the fact that they're going to come. And hopefully, you know, we'll find that extra space where, whether it's a midfielder or center-backs, so they can come and get the ball.
1: Impact keeper James Pantemis joining us
2: Saturday Sports on TSN 690 with Joey Alfieri and John Still. Johnny? James, um, it can be a, a difficult and frustrating life, especially as a, as a young guy just coming up as a keeper and not only that, being a, a hometown guy. And I'm thinking really your story is so similar to what Maxime Crapeau was going through here in Montreal before. Um, did you two kind of bounce things off one another uh, while he was here in Montreal and seeing him go to go to Vancouver and kind of get the success that he had and now you uh, coming in and being in form for, the, for, for Montreal Um, have you learned anything from the from the plight that Maxim went through here in Montreal
0: yeah of course I think that we had a tremendous relationship uh, when he was here even now that he's not we still keep in touch whether it's uh, whenever I see him uh, in the national team or just you know sending a message here and there he's been very supportive and I've always reached out to him and asked questions because like you said I do think that we were kind of in a similar situation but uh, I, I took his situation and wanted to replicate it where he went on loan and performed greatly with Ottawa and managed to become the number one in Vancouver. I was given uh, an amazing opportunity from the club to go on loan to to Valor. Uh, Unfortunately, it was supposed to be a season-long loan, but, you know, considering the circumstances that we're living in today, it it didn't happen. I was only able to get seven, but again, very grateful that I was Given that opportunity to go play, and I think it played a big part in in my games here with Montreal. If I didn't get those seven games with with Valor, maybe I wouldn't have gotten the confidence and the rhythm I needed to perform uh, the way I wanted to uh, over the last three games here.
1: I know the the Evan Bush trade to Vancouver. You know it helps you uh, move up the pecking order here on the depth chart in Montreal. But uh, what was that like for you? Seeing you know the the veteran keeper who's been around for for your entire time at the club, uh, see him be shipped off. What you know did that play with uh with your guys's emotions a bit and just what were you feeling and what did he mean to you while he was here
0: yeah it's always a difficult one to lose a teammate especially uh someone who's in a goalkeeper union as we like to say uh evan is someone who i've been with for, since my my time here in montreal whether it was in the academy i even remember joining and he would pass me on he'd pass on like his old pair of gloves that he wouldn't use because i wasn't sponsored at the time and He'd give me a few pairs of gloves every mm-hmm. every so often. So uh, it's obviously tough tough to lose someone like that. But at the end of the day, it's, it's part of the business, it's part of the the world of football. So uh, I'm very grateful for everything that he taught me, everything that I've learned from him. So it's, it's someone that for sure I'd be keeping in touch with for for the rest of my life or career. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we've been speaking you know, continuously over the last two weeks, too, he's been very, very helpful. Uh, over my last games, I've been messaging him as well, watching his highlights, and uh, it's just a great friendship that we, we were able to make, and hopefully um, it lasts.
1: You you mentioned uh, that, uh, you know, you guys obviously play FIFA and stuff like that. I noticed on the uh, team's Instagram page, you guys had some type of tournament, um, but you uh, I don't see you anywhere in these videos, James, and I saw where Maxi, Rudy... And was it Carifa Yao uh that won the tournament? Where how, how yeah. what, happened to, what happened to you?
0: What oh, happened to you? I'm not a FIFA player, but I actually I was actually doing uh homework. Oh. The, thing, so didn't have, uh, the homework, homework again? I the yeah. I was trying to write a paper. So. Does, it's
1: all right. Does did, did, does like would Shom, I mean does Shom bust out those glasses and then like try to help. Does he give you pointers at all? Like has he ever, you know, I don't want to, you know, you know, I don't want to say plagiarize or whatever, but I mean, has he ever helped you out at least? Has anybody yeah, helped you mean, out?
0: Like, uh, obviously, we're in two different fields. I'm more of like the, in the business, financial, and he is. He was uh, studying engineering, but there are some problems where I think in my statistics course, for example, there were some terms that were familiar to him, and you know, we, I'd be like, I would tell him, it's a champ. Since you've graduated, <laughs> surely you could help sure. me out on my homework. Sure, but you know, here. Yeah. He he played. He talked a big game, but he wasn't able to help me out on my my statistic course.
1: I was gonna say, like, did, if he did help you out and you got those grades back, I mean, were they, you know, when he does help you, were those grades high enough, or did, did your oh, average take a bit of a hit of course, when he was,
0: was? Yeah, <laughs> he's a smart guy. Should meet. Uh,
1: all right, I'll leave you with this. Uh, you know, a little fun. It's uh, Halloween, obviously, uh, James. If you can uh, take your, your top chocolate bar and uh, your least uh, preferred chocolate bar, what would they be?
0: Are we going chocolate or candy? Whatever,
1: whatever you like.
0: Okay. Well, the top top is Sour Patch, it and it's always been Sour Patch. All right,
1: I'm good with um, that. Take
0: my least favorite candy, yeah. or chocolate. A fun. I think it might be like that. There's that one chocolate, and I think it's in a yellow box. There's like a cherry inside too. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, that's not a good one.
1: Oh, cherry blossom
0: something i don't remember the name yeah but i know uh, you know what i'm talking
1: yeah i know exactly that's the that is the absolute worst it's like cough it's like cough syrup at the center of your chocolate (laughs) james thanks for doing this man uh can i just you know our listeners are just curious like are you going to get another game here uh before the end of the season or uh if you guys make the playoffs is there another game on the horizon for james
0: well it's not up to me i'm just gonna do my best in training show that you know i'm uh, I'm working hard that I'm confident, and if ever I'm called upon, uh, i gotta, I got to be ready, right? So right now, Clement is a starter. He was a starter this year. I'm just going to keep working hard in training, make sure he's prepared and putting him in, in the best situation to perform as well. But if ever I get the call, I need to be ready, and uh, that's it.
1: James, keep those grades up and stay out of trouble, all right?
0: I will. Thank you very much. <laughs>
1: Thanks, James. That's James Pantemis, Impact Keeper, joining us on Saturday Sports on TSN 6. I like the way James looked. I know it was just three games, but I think um, those three games were, uh, you know, they weren't just big for him, but I think for the team, you're looking at this and you're saying, okay, we have this young keeper who's come through the academy ranks. He's been in the Impact Academy since he was 17. Can he play at this level, or do we have to go get – a one A or one B to Claymond D up during the offseason. And I I personally I'm comfortable going into next year with, you know, James Pantemas as one of my two keepers 100 percent
2: Oh, he played well enough for me um, to at least put some doubt in my mind as to whether Clemont up deserves to be number one for Montreal. I, I, I I was convinced early on in the season there were some serious struggles for me midway through the year for Clemence up, and I was very, very pleasantly surprised by James Pantemis. I thought he did everything that the manager and the team could have asked of him and more. And uh, hopefully not only that, uh, we know how much people here in the city want to see hometown guys stick yeah. with the impact and want to see them get some success here in Montreal. Uh, I think... The majority of fans out there are hoping for big things for James Pantemis.
1: Yeah, and, and he looked comfortable enough. I know there were some nerves early on in that New England game. I mean, that's his first MLS game in ever. Uh, but I think he settled down he settled down nicely, got a big win against Miami, made some big saves, good shot stopper. And I, I think, and I mentioned this on the broadcast, John. I think and we didn't really get to see a lot of Max Cripple with the Montreal Impact, so he enters into this conversation as well. I think that James Pantemis is the best keeper ball-to-foot that the impact have ever had.
2: Oh, I was about to say, he looks extremely confident with the ball at his feet. And the way that Thierry Henry wants to play right now, which is playing it out from the back and trying to at least build the attack from the back line out, uh, that could be very, very useful going forward for the impact. So, yeah, one of the... One of the really good stories of the impact season so far was, and has been, James Pantemis.
1: Yeah, no, it definitely has been. All right, it's Saturday Sports on TSN 690, and here's your new feature. It's the disaster of the week. One team had such a ridiculous brain cramp that you have to wonder about their future in their current market. These guys just can't stay out of their own way. I'll tell you who that is on Saturday Sports on TSN 690.
3: Um, I, I was on Vancouver radio this morning, Mitch, and I said, look, with, with the details that I've read, and I had never heard of this kid until yesterday. So while apparently in the scouting community, lots of people knew about it, um, I'd never heard of him, but I said this morning with the detail that I know with what I've read, I wouldn't, if I were the GM or in charge of the, um, uh, in charge of the draft, uh, I wouldn't have taken
1: him. I, I I just I would have passed. That's TSN's Ray Ferraro, who joined Melnick in the afternoon earlier this week. Uh, Ray talking about Mitchell Miller, the uh, prospect that the Coyotes drafted in the 2020 draft. Uh, he was their first pick, which happened to be uh, in the fourth round. This is Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri, John, still with you till noon. We will be talking to the coach, Jeff Reinbold. He's a special teams coordinator of the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and he's an, an NFL analyst for Sky Sports. Uh, over in England which I know uh, gets John still uh, makes him very excited uh, but uh, my disaster of the week this new segment that we'll be trying out uh, every week for the next little while is the Arizona Coyotes uh, Mitchell Miller has been involved in a uh, bullying scandal of um, of one of his uh, one of his peers about 4 years ago when uh, when he was 14 years old and Mitchell Miller sent out a letter to each NHL team before the draft Uh, saying, you know, admitting to what he had done. And there was a lot of teams, Pierre Maguire told us all week uh, that there was a lot of teams that have taken him off, that took him off their draft board completely. Yet, the Arizona Coyotes, the Coyotes rather, uh, have said that, uh, or they decided that they they were going to take him in the fourth round anyway when some teams didn't even have them on their board. And the Arizona Coyotes are my disaster of the week because... Look, uh, you can blame Mitchell Miller for what he did, and I certainly do. You have to hold him accountable to that. But an NHL team who was supposed to do their due diligence on each and every prospect that they draft, and this was their first pick. They didn't have a pick in the first three rounds. They don't have a first-round pick next year either because they were caught uh, doing things. They were caught uh, cheating when it came to the scouting combine. So they've also they've already been penalized for that. Uh, their general manager John Chaika, decided to step away. He wanted to step away from the team, and we kind of understand why. And listen, I'm not here to say that Shaka's done a good job, but he clearly wanted out of whatever was been going on in Arizona, and so I kind of have a better understanding of why Shaka wanted out now. I, you know, I couldn't figure out, you know, a young guy got a GM job, why is he so, you know, in a hurry to leave that situation? You're kind of starting to get an understanding of the dysfunction in the Arizona locker room. But if you're aware of the bullying allegations surrounding Mitchell Miller, because you are because he made you aware. He made every NHL team aware. I'd like to believe that you did some type of digging, some type of, you know, if you did your due diligence, you would know exactly what that entails. Now, either didn't do their due diligence and they didn't do their homework, which is a shame because if you employ scouts and you have a general manager and you have an assistant general manager, I I don't understand how you can't be doing your due diligence when you're bringing 18-year-olds into your organization. But so either you didn't do your homework or you thought that you would take this kid and some of this stuff wouldn't come to light. And so now that you've cut ties with him and you've let him go, you've parted ways, it shows one of two things, like we just said. Either you didn't do your homework or you didn't care enough at the time and you're cutting ties with this player because of the public outcry, which is the right thing to do, but you shouldn't have put yourself in this position in the first place. So where do the the Coyotes go from here? I don't know. But they have no salary cap space. They have no draft picks. And the talent on the roster is... Eh. I realize that their general manager, Bill Armstrong, he came over from St. Louis this offseason. He could not be part of their draft. That was part of the agreement. I get all that. But you you don't have anybody else in the front office that's doing the homework on all of these kids? You don't have someone in the front office that can be held accountable for this. I just, I, I, I don't know where Arizona goes from here. They already have so many things going against them. We talked about draft collateral, salary cap space. The market isn't a traditional hockey market. I don't know, man. I know Pierre Maguire has a plan for them. He had a suggestion. I see this as a bit of a Hail Mary.
3: If you can get that kind of scouting done, then you can have a multi-tiered plan that will eventually lead you to, and I'm sure this will make news around, and I'm not afraid to say it, you've got to look at how much time Austin Matthews has left on his contract, and then you've got to set your team up well enough in the next two to three years so that when his contract is no longer um, you know, there for Toronto, you can be a real player in trying to get him.
1: Wow, that's the plan. That's how you save the Arizona Coyotes franchise. You hope that uh, a guy doesn't resign with his current team so he's willing to come back home. If I'm Austin Matthews, I sure, I'd love to go home. But I'm looking around, and what are the chances that I get to win in Arizona? Anyway, that's, that's the disaster of the week. Arizona Coyotes, you're the first ones uh, on the hit list. We'll see who the disaster of the week is next week. Uh, but uh, that's the first one in the books. Be better. Be better, Arizona. It's not often that we can say a Miami Dolphins game is must-see TV, but I'll be glued to my television set to see how quarterback Tua Tagovailoa's Vailoa's NFL debut goes against the LA Rams tomorrow. What can we expect from this year's fifth overall pick? NFL analyst and TICAT special teams coordinator Jeff Reinbold will tell us on Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Welcome back, Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri with you till noon with John Still. And uh, we talked uh, quite a bit of NFL. And it uh, leads us back to our Saturday Sports poll question of the day, which is, which team should be more afraid... Ooh! on Halloween of what's in their future. Your two choices are the New England Patriots or the Dallas Cowboys. The Patriots currently leading the polls very close, uh, but the Patriots have a uh, 52.4% to 47.6% advantage uh, on the Dallas Cowboys right now. So our listener is pretty concerned about what's coming in New England. Talk about that and a lot more. Our next guest, he's a uh, NFL analyst for Sky Sports, and he's the special teams coordinator of the Hamilton Tiger Cats, but we won't hold that against him. He's Jeff Reinwald. Jeff, aloha.
3: Salud se va.
1: How are you doing?
3: I'm great, man. How are you doing?
1: Good, good. I, I miss, I'm missing the, the CFL season this year, uh, but I'm hoping you guys come back in 2021. What have, what have you been up to out there in Hawaii
3: well, you know, that's my home and, and uh you know, I came back to Hamilton uh, you know, in the summer as mm-hmm. soon as I could get back in the country and we all were having our fingers crossed and toes crossed that we were gonna play a season didn't work out and so I was headed back home and, and uh right now I'm actually in San Antonio because oh. a bunch of old a bunch of old NFL guys that I know called me and said, Hey, would you come down here and be a part of the Spring League? Which is actually crazy. They're playing in the fall. <laughs> and i've been helping out around around the league and it's it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fringe nfl kids that are trying to get another opportunity and a bunch of guys that uh you know Ex NFL coaches and people that have um, you know been in pro football for a long time and working with the kids—it's it's a really good situation.
1: Yeah, coach. Because John and I here in studio we're looking at each other and we're like, man, uh, Coach Reinbold's really committed. It's like 5:45 in Honolulu, Honolulu, right now in the morning, <laughs> and he's waking up to come on the radio. I'm like, that's some serious commitment. So I'm glad that you only didn't wake you up you at that joined. time.
2: Oh
3: yeah, only with
2: you, Joe. I, I don't I don't mean to be to be rude, but we would not have gone up for 5:30. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry coach,
3: if you
1: if you need to, if you need to wake me up to, you know, to do like a wind sprints or practice right. at 5:40, I don't know, I don't know if I'd be that committed. So I appreciate you being that committed to me. Uh but how about we start with our poll question uh, coach Reinbold. Uh, which team should be more afraid of what's in their future, Cowboys Patriots?
3: All right. First of all, let's I got to set some ground rules. Yeah. Call me, call me Jeff. Don't call me Coach. Okay. That's what my mother – my mother named me Coach. I, that's what I say to the players, right? So <laughs> the players say, hey, Coach. And I go, what? Hey, player. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, call so I'm going to say uh, – uh, I don't know, Joey. I think this is a really interesting question, you know, because you look at the organizational structures, and you would say that which 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 of the two organizations has a better chance to rebound from the year that they're having – and I'm going to tell you, it's the Patriots because of mm-hmm. the way they're built. And, you know, the the, the power that Bill Belichick has, uh, the, the way that that building is organized from a, you know, a, from a coaching standpoint, I think they can, you know, rebound from this better. The Cowboys, you got to look at the history, right? The Cowboys have been, quote, America's team forever, but they haven't been in a Super Bowl forever either. And, you know, I think there are a lot of reasons for that. Right now they don't – both teams are under-talented. And, you know, that always makes it tough when you're playing in professional football. The injury to Dak obviously hurt him, and then the injury to to Dalton just absolutely – you know, I mean, that's – that when you lose your backup, they go out and spend that money to get a backup like Andy Dalton, and then he gets knocked out of the game for a couple weeks. It's going to be tough in the short term until they get him back because – you're talking about a seventh round draft pick out of James Madison has to, you know, steer the ship, and, and uh, their offensive line is decimated, um, you know, and defensively they are really really struggling, and it's part of it's uh, the fact that you bring in Mike Nolan and he brings a new scheme, and you don't have scheme fits, you don't have the kinds of players that he needs, and you know there's there's a lot of lot of issues if you want to, you know, put it mildly.
1: And the other thing, Jeff, is like everybody got paid. Everybody except Dak that had to get paid in Dallas. Everybody got their money. So it's- you can't even get out from a lot of these deals.
3: Well, that's that's always again the, the thing that you talk about is when you know with all this guaranteed money that's starting to get paid to guys now. Now you get up against the cap. All you have to do is make a couple mistakes or bring a couple guys in that that don't perform or don't fit the new scheme or whatever. You know, when they brought Don Terry Poe in, yeah. it was another one of those stories, you know, they were small up front because they were a one-gap run-up-the-field team under Rod Marinelli. Now you bring in Mike, and he wants to do it a different way, and you don't have any size. They go out and get McCoy. He gets hurt, right? So you lose him for the year. And then Poe has been what Poe has been since he was at the University of Memphis. He's a tremendously talented player. A big 300-pound guy that can do an awful lot of things, and he'll work out great. But if you put on the tape, he doesn't play great. His motor doesn't run hot all the time, mm-hmm. so you overpay for him. Now you got to cut him. You know Gallimore, the kid that they drafted out of Ottawa, gets hurt. You know they, it's just they don't have the players, and until they get you know some cap space and until they get some you know quality players in there, it's going to be tough for them.
1: He's a Sky Sports NFL analyst and he's the special teams coordinator from the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Jeff Reinbold, joining us on Saturday Sports on TSN six ninety. Uh, all right, I wanted to also talk to you about uh, Tua Tagovailoa, uh, coach. The, oh, coach! You see, I did it again. It's a term of respect to me, Jeff. Uh, so, but we've seen what Joe Burrow's done in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. We see what just Justin Herbert's done in Los Angeles. If you're Miami and you're coaching this kid up this week. How do you make sure that he doesn't feel that added pressure of hey the guy taken right before me is lighting it up the guy taken right behind me is lighting it up how, like how do you how would you how would you mold him this week going into this
3: game <laughs> first, first thing I do I triple team Aaron Donald that'll, <laughs> that'll be the best <laughs> way you can help the kid because Aaron Donald is a game record inside and and uh, you know think about the defense he's going up against the Rams have played very good defense they've got Jalen Ramsey in the secondary and obviously Aaron Donald up front so. You know this isn't this is not a this is not a, a you know a, a gimme for Tua. He's going to have to go out there and he's going to have to perform. But I think you know if you know the kid, and I've known the kid since he was a high school kid here mm-hmm. in Hawaii. He went to Saint Louis High School in Honolulu. He is a not, not only a great player, he's a great person. He'll prepare well. He'll lead. He's going to be a great leader for that team. Um, you know, and I think the way that they'll handle it from a play calling standpoint is giving things he can do you know, easy throws early, let him get some confidence, and then, you know, take it from there. But, you know, I, I don't know if you guys saw it, but when he played a couple of weeks ago, after yeah. coming off a of bye, after the game, uh, some photographers caught him sitting on the sitting on the field mm-hmm. on the 15-yard line, and he was calling home to his mom and dad just to tell them how incredible it was to play in an NFL game and complete a pass and how, how fortunate he felt and all that. He is a... He is a world-class kid. I mean, a world-class kid. And if you're going to have a face of the franchise, then he's the kind of guy you want it to be. The thing he's got to understand is he's not competing against Justin Herbert. He's not competing against Joe Burrow. And he's not competing against any of the other quarterbacks in the league. He's just got to be Tua and do his job and do it as he's, the way he's always done it, and he'll be successful.
1: How, how much does... You know, the fact that he's left-handed, Jeff, how much does that affect, you know, a coach's work when it comes to, uh, you know, scheming, calling plays, where to line guys up? Like, how much does that change things?
3: Well, it does It does an awful lot. You know, I, it, it's funny because uh, June Jones was here uh, as part of this spring league thing, and mm-hmm. we were talking about that. And, and he actually coached Tua in high school, and, uh, you know, he said, it's everything, it's the ball spins different, so it's a different rotation for the receivers as they catch it. You know, obviously, we always talk about the left tackle as being the most important offensive lineman because he's protecting the blind side. Well, when you have a left-handed quarterback, now it's the right tackle. Yeah. So, again, it, there are some schematic things his his read, and they will start him off. I really, I really believe this that they will start him off with half-field reads early in the game, giving things that are like I said, he can handle things he can complete gain some confidence early and you know that that's probably going to be to his vision to his left side as you as you go into the game and i'm sure that that St. Louis, St. Louis will try and load the you know load the field that way to make it tough on him but um you know it's it's different it is totally different
1: it's funny because you mentioned Aaron Donald before, and I've got a group chat with some of my buddies, and, and we obviously we can't get together to watch football here, uh, but we were all watching the Rams-Washington uh, game from a few weeks ago, and Alex Smith came in the game, and one of my buddies wrote in the chat and he said, hey, you know, do you think just given the injury history, do you think that the defensive line of the Rams, you know, maybe they let up? A little bit because it's Alex Smith. And I said, I don't think it works that way. And on the very next play, uh, Aaron Donald was all over Alex Smith's back. So that's going to be a handful. Like you mentioned, it's going to be a handful for Miami to deal with up front. And I'm, that's what I'm most curious to see is that, you know, you mentioned Ramsey. You mentioned uh, Donald. It's, it's a really, it's, it's an interesting first test. Uh, to throw him out there against the Rams is, is interesting. And and just the way this whole storyline's kind of worked out, right? Like, I, I'm sure you've had to make uh, some tough, you know, you've had to have some tough conversations uh, with veterans or with young players that, hey, you know, like, you're going to have to sit here and we're going to make room for the next guy. You know, how tough is that for Ryan Fitzpatrick to hear that? And how tough do you think that was for Brian Flores to have that conversation with him? How uncomfortable can those things get?
3: Well, I think it was really interesting. You know, I know Fitz real well because he has come over to England a couple times and done some promotional work with us with the NFL. And um, I spent some time with him last he, – he lives in Tampa, and I spent some time with him last uh, last uh, year at the Super Bowl. And, you know, he knew when they drafted to him. He knew what his deal was. He knew he was the you know, basically placeholder until Tua was ready, and he was healthy, and the team felt like he was developed enough as a player to go in and play. But Fitz is a competitor, and he wants to, you know, he wants to play. You don't hang around the league as long as he has and gone through as many teams as he has if you don't love football. And I was touched, really, by his reaction after they made the change. Mm -hmm. I mean, he understood it, he was okay with it, but yet you know, he he was a little heartbroken, to be real honest, and that's I'm I'm not being overly dramatic when I say that. I think he was heartbroken. It is tough, but it is a tough business, and you know, I'm sure Brian Flores was very upfront with him and and you know open with him and said, you know, he did a great job. I mean, he's been a tremendous, tremendous asset for Tua. He's been a great leader. He's taught the kid how to be a pro because it is. I'm telling Joey, you can't even describe. What a big jump it is, even from a place like Alabama to mm-hmm. professional football. It is a, I mean, it is a huge step, and to have a guy like Fitz in your corner and helping you make that transition has been invaluable for for Tua. Uh,
1: Jeff, uh, last one before I get you out. We've got on TSN six ninety mm-hmm. tomorrow. We've got the Steelers and the Ravens at one o'clock. Uh the look there you've got 6 and 0 Pittsburgh, 5 and 1 Baltimore. We talked about it off the top uh John and I did about how you know Baltimore at 5 and 1 it th- that's a great record, but the just the offense just doesn't look right and it doesn't look like, as good and 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 it it's just the tires seem to be spinning in mud. Uh they've had the bye week. What have you noticed from Baltimore and how confident are you that they can get out of this before the start of the playoffs?
3: Well, the first thing I'm going to say about this game is do not for your own best interests, your own health, do not stand too close to the television set because this is going to be a physical <laughs> game. And you don't want any part of the hit that's going to go on in this game. These two teams are both very, very physical teams. They take pride in that. They don't like each other. It's a divisional game. I mean, it's going to be a heck of a football game. The thing that you, I think you're alluding to, Joey, is the fact that Lamar Jackson has kind of, not regressed. That's not the right statement. But he hasn't been the dynamic guy that he was last year. Well, so the fact of the matter is, you know, there's 32 defensive coordinators in the league that work at this job, right? Yeah. And his film is now out there. And in, and it's two years of film that you have. The offense isn't surprising people anymore, you know. I mean, they are so different from everybody else because they're so run first, all the RPOs, all the tight ends they use, the heavy sets, all that stuff. You know, those that's different. Well, now these guys have had a year of – Studying film and, and getting ready for it, and I think that's probably the reason why it's not been as dynamic as it's been in the past. I don't think it's a, you know I don't think it's a talent thing. I don't think it's any of that. I think it's just other people have kind of caught up to him. He's gonna have to prove, in my opinion, he's gonna have to prove that he can win the game, win a game from the pocket, yeah. and not just against Cincinnati. I'm talking about against a good team, and he's gonna face a real good team in Pittsburgh because. You look at their defense, and they're good at every level. I mean, they have got great linebackers, they've got pass rushers, and and they've got you know Minka Fitzpatrick. When Minka Fitzpatrick came to Pittsburgh, it changed their secondary. So it, it's going to be a big, big, big step for them. And what's interesting to me is, you know, the nobody blitzes like Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator at Baltimore. But there probably isn't a quarterback in football who's better against the blitz than. Big Ben, yeah. he gets the ball out so fast. He's, so, he's a veteran. He recognizes everything. So you're not going to fool him with something. So it's going to be a heck of a football game. The two teams are so evenly matched.
1: Jeff, I hope we can do this again uh, real soon. Really appreciate you jumping on. And uh, hopefully I get to watch your coach come June. That would be really, really nice. <laughs>
3: I'm hoping so, too, and I really appreciate it. Let's do it again. Shit, I'll do it every week if you want.
1: Sure. Great, yeah. Let's uh, well, let's touch base, and uh, we'll make it happen. Thanks for doing this, Jeff. All right, brother. See That's Jeff Reinbold, the most interesting man in football. That's just my opinion. I'm sure there's a lot of interesting men uh, around the game, but Jeff Reinbold, uh, little-known fact, or maybe it's not little-known, but he was the defensive coordinator, not the special teams coordinator, defensive coordinator uh, with the Alouettes uh, back in 2012. Uh, he was on Mark Tressman's staff, and uh, yes, he's a fascinating man, a really, really intelligent football mind, obviously, Uh, And he has a ton of experience. Uh, So uh, John Still, he did not wake up at uh, 5.45 in the morning to do this hit. But just talking to him, I think he would have if he had to.
2: These football coaches, man, they're crazy. (laughs) I mean, they're all talking about first one in the building, last one out. I mean, for them, it starts at 5 a.m. Like really they're guy. they're they're crazy people. So I would not be surprised if yes, uh, he is an early riser. I think for the majority of them, uh, they don't get a whole lot of Z's at night. Let's you just say that. Know, you
1: know what's funny? I I watched. I finally I PVR'd it on Thursday, but I finally watched. Uh, did you see Danny Machocha? They did kind of like a, a documentary on RDS, Danny Machocha, and basically just kind of going through uh, how he progressed uh, through the different ranks and levels of football. And when he first got to the Alouettes, I think it's fairly common knowledge now uh, that he was not, you know, being paid for his work. And, you know, there were times there was uh, there was a story in the documentary that said, you know, where his wife would call and she'd say, hey, I'm coming by Olympic Stadium. Let's go, you know, let's hang out for an hour and have a coffee, whatever. And so then uh, Dave Ritchie, the <laughs> head coach at the time, would see her waiting there and he'd say, uh, he'd tell Danny like, hey, yeah. Uh, you can't go, like the offensive stuff is done, but we need help on the defensive side. And you know, Danny went on to talk about how, you know, there's times where he'd finish at two in the morning and have to be back in the office at six, and he wasn't being paid. So uh, definitely you, you feel like uh, I don't know, Jeff Rein- he's everywhere. Jeff Reinbold is ever Sky sports, he's doing TV for them, He's coaching with the Tiger Cats. he's helping out with the Spring League now. I, I don't know where this guy finds the time, but he's, uh, he's a brilliant football mind and I appreciate coach. Uh, Jeff Reinbold coming on uh, the show. Also, a uh, special thanks uh, to uh, the Montreal Impact and James Pantemis. He joined us just after 11 o'clock. And uh, Patrick Bexell. That's right. We went to Gothenburg, Sweden. He's the uh, European correspondent from Habs' Eyes on the Prize. Uh, he joined us as well. If you missed any of the interviews, you can find them at tsn690.ca. And if you want to listen to the full two hours of the show, you can sign up. On uh, Apple Podcast uh, or Google Play or SoundCloud. Uh, You can find us there uh, under Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Please subscribe and uh, leave a positive comment, a positive comment about myself or John still. John, thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate you being here. Cheers. It's always a pleasure. Uh, Just before we go, Halloween candy that you would uh, absolutely, uh, that you can't put down, and uh, Halloween candy that you would not pick up.
2: Uh, Big fan of Kit Kat. Uh, I like that crunchy one. Crunchy can go to hell.
1: Crunchy, disgusting. No, crunchy's great. I love the crunchy rice.
2: Nah, rice. rice. What do I want? What do I want? Oh, you're talking rice? about you're
1: talking about crispy crunch. Crispy crunch. Sorry, okay, not mistake. crunchy. My mistake. Yeah. Crispy crunch. Yeah. Yeah. All right, that's fine. Uh, my I like Kit Kat. That's where I'm at right now. So I like that one, John, and the one that can go. Is uh, Reese's peanut butter cups not a fan? I like peanut butter. I like I like chocolate. I do not like Reese's wow. peanut butter
2: cups. I know a lot of people will take that as a blasphemous take. Absolutely. So,
1: but it's Saturday that. sports with Joey Al Fury, so I get to have those takes. John, thanks, man, and uh, we'll be back next Saturday. Don't forget, TSN six ninety has a full day of live action tomorrow. We've got the Steelers and the Ravens at 1. We have the Bears and Saints at 4, and we have Montreal Impact Soccer as they take on Orlando City SC at 7 o'clock with Olivier Brett and Grant Needham. Have a great rest of the Saturday, everybody.